All right, so this is our podcast, me and Joel. We uh, got together actually to watch the UFC, so I think we're going to start with that. We were watching that Saturday. There was, what, an 11 a.m. start time? Yes, sir. The early prelims were at 9, so okay. I had to uh, get Habib his prime time, and uh, he performed. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess we'll just start. I guess everyone was surprised, I guess, by the ending of it with uh, when he was talking about it. But I guess we want to talk about the actual fight first. Habib Nurmagomedov finished Justin Gaethje in the second round with the triangle choke. Pronounce that again. Pronounce that again. I'll try. Uh, Nurmagomedov. I think that's how it goes. I don't um, know. You didn't manage to get a check on that one. It didn't sound finished. good. It didn't sound good up the shoot. But no, I I, I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> Way too much, but he retires. Don't even ask me. Don't ask me. He retires with an MMA career of 29 and 0, 13 and 0 in the UFC. Um, before we talk about Habib, let's just talk about the match. It looked like I think a lot of people were surprised because, right, two people scored the the first round for Gaethje, and it looked like yeah, they did. The, yeah, he was up, he was, was up on the scorecards after one. Yeah, the talk was on Twitter was that that was even surprising in itself, but they were striking a lot in the first round, but in the second round, Habib kind of like. Yeah, but it, it didn't. It didn't really. It didn't really look like a Gaethje round because you know Gaethje. If you look at the rounds he scored and won against Tony Ferguson, it didn't look like the rounds that that you know he was. He didn't look like the first round against Tabib. You know he was early with the late kicks and everything, but I didn't right. see him really connect with any punches. I mean, I know Khabib's got a pretty good chin, but it just didn't look like he hurt him with anything. So it was surprising. It was surprising that they would score that first round for him because you would expect if they're standing on the feet, the only way Gaethje would really have success. He's visually landed some bombs, but I didn't really see, you know, him land anything that I thought Khabib, you know, even staggered with. He was so working the leg kicks, was that, that was noticeable. Yeah, no, no, he was. And that was something he said early, like early, a couple weeks ago, that he needed to stay off the fence and he needed to land leg kicks on Khabib. And if you listen to his post-fight, Gaethje was saying that he was one or two kicks away from really getting to Khabib's legs and getting him to really stagger with it. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't see anything as far as the first round. And then the second round, I mean, Khabib just continued to put the pressure on. And early in the round, remember, Gaethje was just swinging. I mean, he yeah. was swinging, swinging openly. And, yeah, exactly. And Habib's not really got to knock you out. But at the same time, that's just wasting energy. And then, you know, Habib got into his spot, and then, then that was it. Yeah. So I, I thought – I honestly – well, I as a Connor fan, it, it's hard to talk about Habib like this. But, man, it, it was impressive. It really was. I think it was most impressive out of – even more impressive than the Connor fight, if you ask me. Sure. I mean, because he got uh, he got Gaethje out there obviously faster than Connor, so. What were your? Uh, it was just the constant pressure. It was just the constant pressure, and Habib just never really stopped. Never really backed up, which is incredible to me, if you ask me. I mean, he never really backed up. He was in Gaethje's face the whole time, and that's not a, when you talk about Habib and pressure. You don't talk about him pressure on the feet. You talk about him no. pressure on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Constant takedowns, constant takedowns. And he really – I don't even think he tried to take Gaethje down the first round. Maybe at the end of the round, I think he got him down. But his pressure when he was in uh, uh, Gaethje's face the whole first round and the whole second round was like, man, I, I, if you're Gaethje, I don't think you expected that, right? No. What uh, – Yeah. Question, I, I, one question I wanted to ask you was uh, – I mean, we already talked about it a little bit uh, prior, but what did you think about Justin Gaethje? He didn't really seem that pissed off. He just seemed like kind of happy to be there, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, he did. He, he when he said something after the fight, I'd have to look it up. He said something like, "I I was in there, and that's my favorite feeling in the world, just being in there." You know what I mean? Yeah. He he said something like that. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, he he was he was pretty stoked just to be there. Uh, I I think honestly, if you ask me, I think he got a little starstruck by Habib. I, I don't think 
he expected Habib to do what he did. And I think at the end, I think Gaethje was just like, man, this guy's all, all this guy is really what they say he is. No, you know, for sure. Really yeah, is I, think, that great. I think definitely ultimately, you know? I think he was just overwhelmed, right? I mean, but what he said in the embedded, uh, yeah. I, when he said in the embedded, it was a little weird when he said that, uh, when you, when you see him, and or not when you see him, but when he talks, like he talks like a competitor, right? But then he did kind of say, like, when the bell rings, my mom's gonna be able to retire, and that kind of put me off a little bit. But I mean, ultimately, he was probably overwhelmed, right? No, I think that's that that strength at a lightweight, like probably the strongest lightweight. Yeah, I don't know. Well, everybody, uh, yeah, obviously, everybody says Habib, you know, is you know, the DC's talked about it before, Daniel Cormier, that he, you know, he he feels like he's grappling with the light heavyweight, but it wasn't even that, I don't think. I mean, really, like I said, it was just the constant pressure and the constant Habib's in his face that that I just don't think Gaethje expected. And I don't anybody expected, nobody expected Khabib to stand for pretty much the whole first round. And then, you know, the second round, I, I think again, Gaethje. Just didn't expect to be just be standing there with him, standing straight at him and coming at him. You know what I mean? I, I don't see any way, like I, I don't see any way that that Gaethje could have game plan for that. I think Gaethje game plan to kind of keep his distance away from Habib and use those leg kicks. But when they got in close and Habib really got up in Gaethje's grill and was punching him, I, I, Gaethje didn't have anything to do with it. He really didn't. He didn't have any any way to counter that. Mm-hmm. What uh, so, so we're looking at looking at Habib's his last three fights, his last three title defenses. That's what he's going to end with if he doesn't come back. Uh, submissions over Connor, Poirier, and Justin. Um, I thought an interesting thing. I was listening to DC Helwani, and he said that Helwani said that I guess in Habib's first fight, I don't know if it was in the UFC or just MMA, that he started with a triangle choke and then he ends his career with a triangle choke. I thought that really? was yeah, that's that what, was uh, impressive. Yeah, that's the submission, the submission was 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 really impressive. The way he transitioned to it. And the way he got it, and then obviously it was crazy how you know Gaethje was tapping, and the ref didn't, didn't. I don't know if he didn't see it or he thought Gaethje was trying to you know move his hands to get the legs off, but Gaethje was out. I mean, completely out. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought that was that was interesting. But yeah, I mean his last three, uh, again as, as a Connor fan, you you got to give him that one. In in the biggest fight of his life, and probably the biggest fight in UFC history, you know the way he performed there, and then the same thing, you know the pressure of him. Finally fighting in Abu Dhabi, finally having his dad there, the pressure of, of UFC 242 with that, and he performed well there. I think Poirier caught him once or twice, but nothing really that, again, nothing really that that stunned him or anything. And that's even that, – that, that to me is the most impressive thing for me with Habib is, is Gaethje, you know, landed some shots, but it just never looked like it even stung him. Same thing with Connor. Connor landed some shots on him, and it just never looked like it stunned him. Same thing with Poirier. He just he, – you know, he, he's not a stand-up striking fighter. But at the same time, I don't think he's uncomfortable on his feet. And that's a, that's a huge compliment because everybody talks about him on the ground. But he's never looked uncomfortable on the feet in the last three fights. I, I got to be honest. So even if he did kind of want to stand and strike, I, I think he he maybe he could. I, I, I don't know. But again, he, he's obviously never had to. Were you uh, caught off guard by the retirement? I don't. It's hard to say caught off guard because, because again, the whole I think the, the whole, whole thing he was thing. leading up to it. He never, yeah, the whole father. Yeah, that that's obviously a big thing, you know. Obviously, he after the fight, you know, he's in the middle of the octagon and all that emotions coming out. Uh, I wouldn't say I was surprised because, because again, he, he's a guy that's talked about retirement. I think even before he had the belt, saying he wasn't going to fight very long and he wasn't uh, going to be here very long. The thing about Habib is, I'm sure, you know, he his first title defense was so big with Connor. It's like. You know, how can you really try to top that? And he's talked about the George St. Pierre thing. But again, George St. Pierre is going to turn 40. He might already be 40. 
And George Payton Freer fought his whole career at 170. He moved up one time for one, at 188, 185 to middleweight. That was his last fight. I think in 2018, 2017, maybe at, at UFC 217. So for George St. Pierre to really cut down to 155, it's like, you know, is that really something he wants to do? But but also it was interesting. Habib said that he was, you know, that if he gives up the belt, then that opens up maybe a 170 fight with George St. Pierre. So, you know, if he doesn't have the belt around him, he obviously has no obligation to have George St. Pierre come down to 155. So, yeah, I, I was a little surprised, but at the same time, once he explains it, once you hear guys like DC and guys like even like John Anik talking about it, and, and I think I heard Joe Rogan come out about it, all these guys, are, you know, they're not really surprised. So as a fan, you know, you can't really surprise be surprised if, no, if the sure. media isn't surprised about it or anybody is surprised about it, you know. It sucks, man. He's at the top of the game. He's at the top of the game right now. He really is. Again, as a Connor fan, I hate to admit it, but he, he's at the top of the game. He really, really is. I think the I think it's pretty pretty interesting. Not interesting, but it, it kind of coincidentally it works out because you have this fight, right? Let's transition into that. Not official UFC official, but I think a lot of people have already like talked about it. January twenty third, Connor and Poirier. Uh, I was reading this article. I have this quote right here. It says, "When asked about the division shortly after Habib's bombshell, UFC President Dana White said, don't ask me about the future. I have no idea.' But it has to be a gimme, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think he needs to fight more than ever now, you would think, right? He's got to put that belt around somebody. I mean, that's a hot division now. You know, it's interesting that with Habib in there, you could say the division's kind of closed. I mean, with the way Habib's been performing, now that Habib's out of there, man, it's it's wide open. I mean, you got we, – we talked about on Saturday. We got five guys uh, – what, four, five guys that can really say, hey, I think I should be the champion with, with Tony Ferguson, with Michael Chandler with Dustin Poirier, obviously Connor, and then you you got to throw Gaethje still in there. I think Gaethje's sure. probably a fight away from the title. I think a fight away from the title, you know, obviously he just lost the interim title, but Justin Gaethje's still a man, man. He's still one of the best in the world. So ultimately, do you think it's going to be Connor Poirier, or do you think, because I know we talked about how possibly scrapping Poirier and throwing in maybe Gaethje if he's can go by then? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think I think that's a huge possibility. I think now you, you if you're Dana, you step back and you say, man, I, how am I supposed to? How, how do we work this? You know, the, with, how do we milk this the best way possible? And, and honestly, right now, uh, an interim title fight between Conor and Poirier, I, I think Poirier is deserving of it. But again, is Poirier a bigger name than Gaethje right now? I, I yeah. don't think so. Which is interesting because Poirier, Poirier has a win over yeah, Gaethje. Beat Gaethje, huh? Yeah, Poirier, Poirier has a win over Gaethje. Yeah, he knocked him out. So that that's interesting, but again, I, I think I think the Gaethje Connor fight is ultimately now without the Habib, without the Habib, uh, Connor fight. Uh, I think now that's the biggest fight, if you ask me. At, at one fifty five, at least Tony Ferguson lost a lot of luster and a lot of I don't know if I want to use the word clout, but you know what I mean. I mean he, yeah. he was on I think four fight win streak, but after you know he getting he got demolished by Gaethje, he, he lost a lot of a lot of. Again, I'm trying to I'm blanking on the word. I'll let I'll just use the word clout. But you know, he, he was looked at as really the only guy that that could stand up to get to compete. Tony Ferguson for a long time was that. You know what I mean? No, for sure. And he was even saying up to the 249 fight against Gaethje that he felt like if he won, he didn't need Khabib. You know, he was on his own little time. He was on his own win streak. They had they for the longest time they had the two biggest win streaks. I think Khabib's was 12, and I think Tony's was up there at 11 or 12 as well in the lightweight division. So, but again, uh, now that you look at it, I, I, like I would go back to getting back to my point. Yeah, I think it's Habib. I'm sorry, check. It's Connor 
and Gaethje is the biggest fight to make out of those four or five, I should say, if you ask me. I, I think if if Dana does want to kind of wait on the Gaethje Connor fight and, and and build it more, then yeah, I think you put you put uh, Dustin in there on the on the twenty third, and I think you have to make it for the belt. I, I don't see how you don't make it for the belt if you ask me. But again, Dana and Connor aren't on the best terms right now. Yeah. So is he just going to put the belt right around Connor? And I, I think I got him. I'm trying to figure out who made this. I think it was Chel Sonnen that made this point that if you're Connor, it's like, do you really want to kind of be holding that belt knowing yeah, that yeah. he just retired? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of like the situation DC was in. You know, it's like, does DC really want to put that belt around him again? Which he did. Give you know, give credit to DC. He did put that belt around him after the whole John Jones thing twice. You know. After, you know, after I think it was 188 when John, the whole uh, hit and run thing with John Jones happened and then DC won the interim belt. And then even after 214, when John Jones got popped again, DC fought at 220, put the belt around him again. There was, there was one thing I wanted to uh, just wanted to point out is that. Let's say whoever Connor fights, I think it's safe to say he's going to be the deserving favorite. Let's say he does get the belt. How do you think he's going to handle the whole? I mean, obligation every once in a while to fight because obviously he's a guy that's gone on hiatuses, right? Man, that's tough. Yeah, that that that's that's honestly a big as a as a, as a big Connor fan. That's that's a big worry for me. You know, like how much is he really? You know, is he going to be that three time of three time a year fighter again? I just don't think he ever will. And if you look at the lightweight division, I, I don't think Dana with the guys he has because he's there's some big fights at lightweight. I mean, again, Connor against anybody's a big fight, obviously, but Connor. Even Conor Poirier is a, a good fight. Conor Poirier is a big, big fight. Any fight with Conor is a big, big fight. And then obviously the Conor with the, with Tony Ferguson is a huge fight. Conor and Gaethje, I, like I said, I think that's the biggest fight to make. So yeah, I think you're completely right on that. I, I again, nobody nobody knows what that what Conor's thinking, but yeah, you're completely right. Say he comes in on on the in January, you know, and just gets gets Poirier out of there, and they do put a belt around him, whether they do or not, you know, how 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 starving is he going to be to get back in there, you know? How long? But I again, mean, a big thing. With, go ahead. No, I was just like, typically, how long do they go before you get vacated? Wow, well, that's hard to say. I think we have to look it up. I mean, look at what just happened with Cejudo in 135. I think they did it the very two pay, two pay per views. Cejudo retired at 249 and 251. They already did Aldo and uh, and Jan. And then you look at, I mean, John Jones vacated what the middle of August? I think it was the day after the DC fight. And then they did, you know, they did the very next pay-per-view. They did uh, Jan and, and Dominic Reyes. So it's it's fast turnaround, and sometimes it's really not. So, But, again, which, which they've done with Conor before early in his career in the featherweight division, they did two interim title fights. They did – they did Conor had, had a belt. Conor won, won, the, won the interim belt, and then they – well, I'm sorry, Conor solidified the belt, and then they did – they turned around and did – a interim fight at UFC 200 with uh, Aldo and uh, Frank Yeager. So I, I think Dana's kind of used to waiting around for Connor because again, if you're Connor, you know the lightweight division isn't the only division that you got fights in. I mean, everybody still wants to see you know the Nate Diaz fight. Everybody's gonna still want to see the Masvidal fight. So I mean, Con so Connor's done it before where he's where he's been the featherweight champion and then moved up a weight class and they made an interim title fight to see you know for when Connor whenever Connor was ready. He obviously never came back to featherweight, but you kind of get my drift, right? So he could yeah. do, let's just say in January, he wins an interim belt. I don't know. Middle of the summer, he wants to do the Nate Diaz fight, which, again, is a huge fight, a Masvidal fight. Then, you know, they do that fight in the, in, in, in the summer. 
which again, they could do an interim title fight between Tony and Gaethje, you know, in the summer, same kind of, same kind of timeline. And then in the fall, they do a, they do a, so they, they unify the belts. So again, a motivated Connor and a Connor that wants to fight, Dana can do, Dana, Dana can do anything he wants with Connor. You know, there, there's so many things Dana can do with Connor. But at this point, I think you made a really good point. And is Connor really going to want to fight, you know, three times this year, if Dana puts the belt around him. Because there's three worthy challengers for him. There really is. In in Poirier, in Tony Ferguson. And like I said, I, I guarantee you the the fight Dana wants to make is that Gaethje fight. I mean, imagine the over-under on rounds for that one. I mean, it'd be, you know, obviously under, what, two and a half, like it always is. But, I mean, it'd be, it'd be minus, I don't know, 300 on over-under of the rounds? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. if Connor and, if Connor and Gaethje got in there, I mean, there's no way that's not a crazy-ass fucking fight. Oh. That'd be incredible. Honestly, just looking forward to it, Connor with the strap. That, that's that's incredible for the UFC. I, I just but but like you said, a motivated Connor. That that's incredible for the UFC. Oh yeah, and it seems like Connor's on his own timeline though, right? Yeah, it's just been weird. The whole this whole thing. I've I've been telling you for weeks that I I don't I don't really know how much I really read into this this uh, UFC this uh, that's that fight in January, because again, look look at everything that's kind of gone on with, with Connor. You know, at first it was. You know, he was going to fight. Uh, he wanted to fight, I think, by the end of the year, right? He said that. Well, first it started with the charity thing. And then Dana comes out and says, we offered the fight to both guys and Poirier and Connor. And then, you know, Connor does the whole, okay, we can fight. And I agree, but it has to be by the end of the year. You know, and then Dana says, we're booked to the end of the year. And then, you know, Connor, uh, then Dana says, we got him his own date on the 23rd. Connor comes back and says, okay, I'll fight on the 23rd, but it has to be in Cowboy Stadium. You know, so it, it's just constant kind of jostling for position with Connor Dana, which is interesting because, I mean, look at all look at all the business Connor and Dana have done and how smooth it's been. I mean, Dana traveled around the world with him for that for that Floyd thing. You know, Connor, yeah. I mean, Dana, Floyd, Connor doesn't do that with that, that Floyd thing without Dana. I don't think I don't think he has the backing to do it. You know, now I think he could do something because he has that whole sports entertainment thing. And, and at this point, I think Dana wouldn't be so hesitant to kind of let Connor go off and do his own thing. I think Dana still wants Connor to fight in the UFC, but I think at this point Dana's Dana's got you know Dana. I think what's happened with the UFC in the past couple of years, honestly, if you ask me, is they've kind of solidified themselves and kind of stabilized themselves. Where obviously, like I said, a motivated Connor is huge. I mean, imagine what imagine what it, what that pay per view on the twenty third is going to do. You know what I mean? For I mean, it's going to be huge numbers. But again, I, I don't think the UFC is at a point anymore where they need Connor. You know, obviously they'd love to have him, and every time he fights, it's awesome. But but you know the the, the UFC's done done pretty well this year. You know with Conor only fighting once. Sure. So is he the is he fighting is he Paulo? That did like seven hundred k buys. That's really good business. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great for the UFC. The the UFC Dana just I think just likes to be consistent. You know that that's why that's why it's going to be interesting to see that that card in November is going to be interesting. Obviously that that's not going to do seven hundred. But but you look at I mean you look at I'm sure I don't know the the number of the DC fight did. I don't think it was. Obviously, what the Israel fight did, but I mean, the first fight on Fight Island was huge. That that Masvidal Usman card. Yeah. So, again, it's not Connor business, but and Dana said this, you know, Connor business is is ridiculous and you know way way above anything they've ever done. But if you ask me, I think it's stabilized. You know, look, I mean, look at it. I don't. I'm I'm the big one of the biggest Connor fans, you know, and you know I'm still gonna watch every USC pay per view, even with Connor or without Connor, because again, they've stabilized themselves. They build up stars. Again, I, I don't think they have any real superstars. I think they just lost one in the beat, really. Um, I think Adesanya's got a real chance to do it. Um, 
if, if they if Francis knocks out Stipe, that's you know I mean fights like that I think can can do big numbers like you said, but nothing over a million nothing over a million one point five like like Connor's done. But again, I, I don't think that's bad news for the UFC like it was a couple years ago when Connor was doing the whole was doing the whole uh, you know I'm not gonna fight thing. I think they've done a really good job of creating superstars like Masvidal. That that I mean, what was the Burns Usman fight gonna do? That wasn't gonna do anything close. I think they did. Yeah. Close to a million. That, that still would. I think any. I think any fight they do on that fight line would have been good, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't have done like you said what it, what they did with Masvidal. The whole the whole week notice thing and everything like that. That that was awesome. And again, that that's just stuff that the UFC can. You know, like I said, that's just stuff that they create, and that that that's that's again they 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 know how to do big. They know how to do big shows. You know, not super shows like Connor, but. A couple of years ago, Dana was, you know, all about the Connor business, and not saying he's not about the Connor business now, but Dana's got a pretty good business of his own running, if if yeah. you ask me. He doesn't really like being tied down to guys, right? He always says, "No, no, no." And that that that's what everybody's always said in the media. If you talk about retirement, you probably should retire. Yeah, if you use the R word, yeah, exactly. Now Dana, Dana again, Dana's been doing this for a long time, and Dana's had stars. I don't think he's ever had a star like Connor. But again, like I said, I think a few years ago he lo- he loved that he was in the Connor business. Now I think I think Dana's okay with with having stars and and, and you know and, and the brand over you know the, the big Connor things and that kind of ties into the point I was trying to make about you know every time Connor's kind of said something and agreed to something he's had a condition and Dana's pushed back on it Dana's pushed back on it and Dana said three or four times that he's not going to do any fight unless it's a full crowd so. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure how this Connor thing plays out. If you ask me, the Habib thing really worked in Connor's favor because again, they need to put that belt around somebody. So yeah. I think that I think the Connor Poirier fight, if I make a prediction, I think that ends up being the fight for the vacant belt, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't see how it doesn't. And that because if you put the belt on Connor again, like I said, you you have so many options for Connor. You really do. All right, so now we're going to transition into pound for pound UFC rankings, specifically because Habib, in his, I guess, if you want to call it his goodbye message, said, and I quote, You guys have to put me on number one pound for pound fighter in the world because I deserve it. I guess that was, uh, you know, actually I actually had something to say about that with John Jones. John Jones was tweeting all freaking day about it. Um, yeah, what well, do you hear the audio he did on Instagram, right? Yeah. Off the top of my head, this is what I'm gonna. My pound for pound would be. Give give the UFC give the UFC pound oh, for pound okay. right now. What sure. they are currently. I'll do the. And then and then the, I'm obviously yeah. yeah yeah. I'll say. Go ahead. Yeah yeah. So the top five right now is John Jones, Habib, Israel Adesanya, Stipe, and then a five Kamaru Usman. The way I would put it off the top of my head is I think I would have Habib number one. I think I'd put Izzy number two. What do you think about that? Man, Izzy's been really good. You know, you talk about me being a dominant champion. I don't yeah, say how Izzy's dominant that really good. I think was. you have that. Yeah, and then and then what he did to Robert Whitaker. I mean, in the middle, in the middle. Obviously, he had that Romero thing in the middle, which you know that that you could you could debate that any way you want. But you know, he still he still defended. It's still a title defense when you look back on it. I mean, John Jones, all the title defenses he's had, he's had a couple duds. Same thing with George St. Pierre. But yeah, is is he man? That he's he's good. He's up there on mine. Yeah, I think I'd put out of respect John Jones three, and then I think I'd throw Stipe four. I think he's a pretty dominant champion. I mean, the guy he's already everybody wants in a fight. He's already taken care of. Uh, 
with uh, Nganu, and then I guess Usman five. Yeah. yeah, he did beat Nganu. That is correct. What's your you five? got Usman at five? Yeah. Yeah, I got the same five. I just it, it, man, I, I have to I have Habib number one. I hate I God, he's a Connor fan. I mean, I'm, I'm sick of saying this, but yeah, I think you have to put Habib there. You really do. Again, everybody talked about how Dominic Ga or I'd say Don Dominic Gaethje, with the chance Gaethje had, and you know if it was standing on the feet, everything everybody laid out, which which could lead to success for Gaethje, it just didn't happen. You know, it just didn't happen. Habib stood with him, his deep pressured him, and Gaethje had no answer. And then you look at look at you know it's not like Habib had you know him up against the fence when when, when he got the submission. It was wrestling. It, you know, it was, it was wrestling style. It was a scramble. And then Habib ended up submitting him. Those are two things that everybody said. Well, Gaethje's got you know Division One wrestling. And on the feet, Gaethje, you know, would kill Habib. And Habib negated both of those things. And, and you, you, you dominate somebody like that, and, and again, in the way that everybody said, you know, uh, Gaethje was going to have success. I, I think you have to go up number one. I, I think you do. I think you have to put Habib number one right now. At number two, man, I really wanted to put Adesanya, but I think people just forget how good John Jones is. And, and you know, you could say what you want about John Jones, but but – I mean, he's never lost in the octagon. And I think just based off inactivity, I think you, you can move Habib ahead of him. I think if you're doing – sorry, if you're going to do an all-time list, I mean, that that's when you can kind of – you can use John Jones's, you know, longevity and all the title defenses John Jones has. But if we're just talking right now pound for pound, you know, everybody the same weight, I, I don't think anybody beats Habib, you know. So I think the greatest of all time thing – between because it's really it, it's those three if you ask me I think it's John Jones Habib and for the for I'm talking about for the goat status you got to throw George St Pierre in there but I, if we're just talking if we're just talking pound for pound right now I think because Habib we just watched Habib do it I think you definitely put Habib over John Jones I still have John Jones at two I, I really wanted to throw out Asanya at two but I think I think you still have to keep John Jones at two but Izzy yeah like you said man Israel Asanya man he like you said he's He's one of those guys that Dana's built up into a star. You know, he did that huge Australian show. He, he gave him his own pay-per-view in Vegas. And then, like you said, what he did against Paul Acosta, it, it's it's funny because it's kind of the same thing that 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 they said about Gaethje. They said about Costa that Costa's pressure and Costa being in Adesanya's face was going to be too much. I mean, we watched that fight. It, Adesanya was in was in Costa's face. You know, everything that they said that that Costa was going to do, is he neutralized and he got him out of there in two rounds. So again, the, the greatness of Israel Adesanya, I think, just threw threw off uh, Acosta the same way that the greatness of Habib threw off Justin Gaethje. I think when you're in there with high level guys like Adesanya and Habib, you know, at the top of the pound for pound rankings, I mean, you just <laughs> you you got to fight, and and it just looked like if you go back and watch, it's very similar to the way that Costa fought and the way that Gaethje fought. They tried to do late kicks, they tried to stay on the outside, but once you know the champion got in there and, and, and got close. You know, he, he finished them. Alessandro finished Costa and Habib finished Gaethje. So that's why I have those guys up there. And I think those, if you ask me, I think those three are in a class of their own right now. If, if again, if, if we're counting Habib in right now, I would say there's, there's a huge distance between Jones, Habib, and Alessandro to the four and five I have. What do, you, what do you think about that? No, absolutely. The one thing I would say about John Jones is if we're just going off, I mean, I'm just personally going off the recent performance and the one with the, when he fought Reyes, I mean, I thought that was a really, really close mm -hmm. fight that probably would have given the edge to Cruz. Or not Cruz, I'm sorry, Reyes. And my reason for it, Adesanya was obviously the dominant performance he had against Costa. Like you said, how he Yeah, again, you're, 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 you're not right. Yeah. 
You're only as good as no, your last I fight. Get it. All, all the title defenses, it, it makes sense. Yeah. John and then at four, I, at four, I think you have to put you have to put Stipe up there. Again, Stipe yeah. would be, I think, in that class if he didn't trip up against DC. But, you know, again, he, he's, he's def- he defended his heavyweight title. You know, he, he finished the trilogy with uh, with our guy DC, sadly. But um, I think you have to put him at four. And, again, him and Ngannou, that's a huge fight. I, I can't wait for that one. I think he came out today that they're trying to do that one in March. That, that that's another one of those fights that man I, I hope they can get fans in there because Francis because Francis not fans man I mean imagine a Francis fight winning the title with fans in there man and then at five probably my least favorite fighter on the roster but you got to give it to Kamar Usman you know he he's a couple more performances he he's on that he's on that uh, uh, that you know Adesanya Habib trajectory I, I don't think he has you know the the real dominating performance yet. You know, you could say maybe the Colby fight, but, you know, I, I think that's a disputed fight still. I still want to see that run back. A lot of people do. And then, you know, against the Mas- again, you know, against Masvidal, he did what he had to do. Uh, again, you, you keep him up there in the rankings. He stayed undefeated. He kept his belt. But, again, it's just not something that you're, – you're not walking away from a Newsman fight the way we're walking away from Habib fights, the way you're walking from, away from us Adesanya fights. You know, you're, you're not walking away with the same feeling. So that's why I, I think – Again, John Jones, Habib, and Adesanya, they're up there with the top three, and that's a pretty solid top three. And then four and five, I'd have Miocic and uh, Usman. Again, two guys that are champions, and they get the job done, maybe not in the most spectacular fashion, though. And I, I honestly, I think that that's that's the top five, right? I mean, you can make a case for Volkanovski. I'm not going to make that case for Volkanovski. Uh, again, I think he's still got unfinished business with Max Holloway. Again, if you're looking at maybe a guy that could jump into the top five. But, uh, well, obviously, I guess with Habib, Eventually, he's going to drop out of the rankings, you know, if he retires. So maybe you slide, you slide um, Volkanovski in there. But I, I just don't see really another guy. That, that's a pretty solid top five right now. If we're looking at the best fight, I don't think anybody really has the case to crack into the top five. What do you think? I don't think Volkanovski no, sure. does. And then who'd you say that seven? I think you said it uh, was Gaethje, right? Yeah, it was Gaethje and then Poirier. Yeah, it was Gaethje. Yeah, Poirier. Again, the guy that the guy that that is on the cusp, that's a champion right now, is Peter Yan. But again, he's he's got to get through Aljamain Sterling. And, and you know he he's only he's not even defended about once, so. Do they have Connor in the rankings? Eleven. Eleven, yeah. but he is in the rankings right now. Yeah. So it's interesting, interesting. Yeah, because I I think Usman jumped into the top five when when Cejudo jumped out. All right, so now we're going to move on to some NFL. We're recording this Monday night after the the Rams pretty handedly. Took care of the Bears. Did you watch that game? What, I was, what uh, was the final? What was the final? It was. I'm, I'm watching Aaron Donald do the post game. Let me check. Jesus, He's I had an to do animal, a, man. I had to do a, I had a little birthday duty for Jasmine's aunt, so I didn't catch most of that game. But it was 24-10, Rams over the Bears. That was the final. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot closer than that. But I mean, I, I had I took the Bears tonight in the under, and it just didn't it didn't work out. Foles missed a couple throws. They can never really get going on offense. I liked I, I liked how tough the Rams are playing. They absolutely beat up on the Bears, you know, early with with the run game, and then kind of just throughout the game, they they really took it to them. Which again, you, you don't really say that with the Rams, but man, yeah, they they've got they've got a couple good backs, and that offensive line was moving. And then obviously, you know, when you when you run the ball like that, oh, you have a creative play call on Sean. Yeah, when you have a creative play call on Sean McVay, I mean, man, yeah, everything opened up for him. But, yeah, no, I was impressed on how, how tough the Rams were. I think the Bears, you know, the crop traveling across the country were started a little slow, and they could just never really get going. 
once or twice you felt like the Bears could maybe creep back in the game. But, uh, but uh, no, I just think that the, the Rams uh, throughout the night were just a better team. We're just going to recap Sunday, just a couple, read off a couple scores. The Bears, I'm sorry, the Browns beat the Bengals by three. Honestly, though, that 10 o'clock window, there was a lot of, like, really good finishes. Like, the Some Pittsburgh great games, game. man. Yeah, at like, 12.45, like 12.45, Scott Hansen was losing his mind. Oh, that was huge. Because <laughs> you had that game, and then, yeah, the, the Browns game, that was a really good game. Yeah, the OBJ uh, OBJ's done on this. Side note on that yeah. one, OBJ's done, yeah. right? Yeah, Man, that's tough. Twenty um, CL, right? Yeah, play the Raiders next Mark's week. Fantasy team. Is he on Mark's fantasy? Is he on Mark's fantasy? Yeah, he's on Mark's fantasy team. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> there was that one, and then what was the other good one? The, the ten o'clock, the Saints and the Panthers. Yeah, that, that one ended down. up really well. Yeah, they just never the. The Lions game. The, uh, Lions the Saints were seven and a half too on that. To sign note on that one, the Saints were seven and a half on that minus, and they didn't cover, right? Obviously, no. Did you see the the well, they they attempted that what sixty five yard field goal or whatever it was? The Panthers yeah. did. Yeah, that was crazy, man. It looked like it was going in. It looked like it was good, and then it just fell short. But again, that was a great game. I think I think the Panthers are underrated, man. I I, I like them. You uh, could be a little sneaky. I think they could be sneaky in the playoffs. What did you think about that Pittsburgh game? Did you see that Big Ben pick that he had like in the red zone? Yeah, that yeah, yeah that really was late. Yeah, pick. that that was a real that was a really good game too. I think Tennessee, man, they Tennessee's not feeling too good. I think Tennessee really thinks they should have pulled that one out. They went down early and then they fought all the way back. Yeah, they got that pick and then they worked it down. And I think honestly, they got down inside the red zone and then they got backed up with something i don't know if it was a stack or a penalty and then they got backed up and so they ended up kind of having to start thinking about a field goal not a touchdown you know because i think they were down by they ended up what was the final score of that one it was, yeah it was they 27, lost by three, 24 right? yeah 27 20, yeah i think they were kind of pushing and driving for a touchdown and then they ended up uh having to settle for that that game that attempting a game time field goal and then gokowski pushed it left i believe but that was a really good game. I think Tennessee's a good team, and we'll get into Pittsburgh. But man, I, I think Pittsburgh. Yeah, that, that was impressive that the game Pittsburgh won. But man, they they uh, they just hung on because yeah, that pick that pick was bad from Ben. Yeah, that was that was that was like one of the most unnecessary mm-hmm. throwing balls yeah. I've seen. Which in a he's while. done. He's done it. He's done it in his career. Yeah, he he takes high risk, but uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't pay off for him sometimes. All right, so well, then we uh, can get in. I mean, that Atlanta, that Atlanta Detroit game, that one was the one of the day, if you ask me. The, the, the Lions. The, yeah, the Atlanta Detroit. Yeah. It was, uh, I think the score is 23 20, 22. Yeah. 23 22, right? That was yeah. one with, with Gurley. He, uh, yeah, Gurley. Yep. So, to, what was it? Try to pull up. God, were they having a minute? Yeah, they had a minute left, right? And I think it was like third and one or something. He breaks through, and all the Lions players aren't trying to touch him. Yeah. And then he kind of stops halfway. I don't know if he thought he was going to get touched. And then he just barely falls, and the ball just barely crosses the end zone. So, obviously, they were trying to set up, you know, because I think – what were they? What were they down? They must have been – they were only down by two. I think they wanted to set up the game when they feel would have won by one. So, if he goes down there and just falls down, see, on the two-yard line, they run out the clock, and they kick a game when they feel good with no time left, you know. Yeah, Instead he the, scores. Yeah, up too. I'm watching the play right now. Yep, yep. Instead he scores, and and uh, they give the Lions the ball back. Which again, yeah. you trust your defense, but 
with the Falcons this year. You, you just never know. Yeah. And and it's funny because when he scores, it's like, yeah, that, that, that's not good. But then you think in the back of your head, like, man, he's going to feel really bad if, yeah. the, if the Lions end up coming down and scoring. And they do on the final play of the game as well. Yeah. So the Lions pull that. What is the Lions record now? They're 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 in there. They're in the top they're, line, uh, aren't they? 500, three and three. Really, five hundred. Wow. I think they've just got eight and eight written all over them, and Patricia come back for another year. <laughs> don't, don't they have just eight and eight written all over them? <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that one out there. Like I said, we, it was, it's just it's just so crazy because when Gurley crosses the end zone, and you kind of play that scenario on your head, you're like, "There's no way the Lions can really come down and score, right?" And this isn't how it's really going to play out. No timeouts. And out. it played out. No exactly. timeouts. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, they obviously didn't have a timeout because they wouldn't be able to stop the clock. And so, you know, you, you play it out in your head. You're like, man, there's no way the Falcons really. I mean, the, the Lions come down and score, and that's exactly what they did. And if you're Todd Gurley, that's tough. You know, you had Arthur Blank on the sideline, the Falcons owner watching. Oh yeah, and, man. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not good. Oh, that was brutal. You know, he's coming down thinking he's going to watch a game-winning field goal. Instead, he's watching Matt Stafford drive down in the, in this, uh, what is it? Oh, the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I think that's what their stadium's called now. So, but again, yeah, like you said on Sunday, ten o'clock. That those those three games were four games were going on, and th- those all ended really well. What uh, you want to get into the Raider game now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, so we're going to get into the Raider game. The Raiders lost by a score of forty to twenty-five. Raiders. Tom Brady had, you know, what kind of went under the radar. Tom Brady threw for four touchdowns, zero picks, and he passed the he passed through Breeze. No, I he, thought he threw for five. No, he had four. You sure? Yeah. I mean, Brady had five. I'll stat that. I'll stat check that right now. What did he pass Brady on? Uh, or no, he passed Breeze for all-time touchdowns. He had five. He's five hundred fifty-five really? touchdowns. Yeah, that went under the radar. They Don't you it. remember Drew Brees? Remember they stopped? Like it was I think it was a Monday yeah, night football whole, game. Yeah, he did the whole yeah the Monday night thing, and he lifted who who lifted somebody lifted him up, and yeah, Brady yeah, they like they like paused the game. So they're gonna go back and forth now. Yeah, I guess so. Actually, yeah. Wow, yeah, no, I didn't know that. I didn't even – that's the first, the first time I've heard of it. Yeah, he has 559. Breeze has 558. Wow, so they're going to go back and forth for a little while. They play each other coming up too. Yeah. But uh, g- give me the backdrop on the whole Raider COVID thing because I, I missed all of that. I, I know they got screwed, but I, I don't uh, – give me yeah. the backdrop on so it. So essentially, I think coming off the bye, Trent Brown must have – I don't want to say what he did, but I, I don't know <laughs> what happened. But apparently he got COVID. And then he wasn't wearing his tracker. <laughs> That's so right, because they're coming off a bye, right? That's yeah, right. they're coming off the bye. And then I didn't hear about this, but on Raider Twitter, I heard that Trent Brown posted an Instagram story on Tuesday of him and Abram hanging out without their masks. They were doing like a store opening, I'd imagine, in Las the, Vegas. The safety so, Abram? The safety yeah. Abram? Yeah. So they got ruled out. So they got ruled out for the game because I guess there's like a five. What the Raiders did was like a five uh, – the five day thing where you're cleared, I guess, because they, because like I said, he wasn't wearing his tracker, so they weren't able to track down who was around him. Where's guess, the tracker on your foot or your? your I think arm it's on your neck. On your... The tracker's on your neck. Yeah, I think it's like a necklace. Holy smokes! So he wasn't wearing his tracker, so the plate. Oh, it's a necklace. I thought you meant. I thought you meant like it's like a collar. No, something. no, I think it's like a necklace. I think okay. it's like a. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So apparently. I guess to play it safe, they just sent the starting lineman home, and so they but, did the five day thing. But why would 
why would to, why would they send the why wouldn't they send all the linemen home? Was was it like a hangout with just the five linemen, or was it because he was yeah. standing next to him? I think I think like you said, I think it would have to do with who whatever they did Monday. I don't know if they just did they just decided to. I don't know. That's a good question. Actually. Yeah, I don't know why they would. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. But again, I, I, the Raiders didn't push back on it much. So if you ask me, I think no. Trent Brown really screwed up. Yeah. Right, because you really didn't have a lot. Hear, hear a lot of gripes from them. No, no. Every it, time, it uh, in the, no, in the press conference, John Gruden just said, "We're going to be ready. We're going to do what we have to do." He didn't really, uh, yeah, not not much gripes. But to go off that, um, I mean, obviously the O line suffered. Which, which it was closer than that. I mean, no, what, was it, what was it at halftime? No, it what was it twenty one? It was it was, was twenty one to ten. And really, and yeah, it was twenty one to ten. And yeah. And but, but the Raiders scored a touchdown in the third quarter, so it was what 17 24, 24 yeah. 17. And then the fourth quarter, man, holy smokes. No, what it really came down to was a lot of people were talking about was uh, in the fourth quarter, the Raiders were down by seven. They were driving, I think they were around the red zone. They were down seven. They had like a fourth and two. And Gruden decided to kick the field goal rather than, I mean, the offense was That's rolling. Right. He decided yeah. to. Uh, that was the three that, points they got in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He decided to kick rather than. Uh, Rather than go for it, and that's what a lot of people were talking about after the game. I think yeah. it just—I think he definitely should have gone for it in the moment. The thing is, is Gruden like he has his like he did the commercials, he did the Monday Night Football thing, he has like this bravado. But when it comes down to it, he's a really conservative guy. That he's done that multiple times, like throughout the season when it's been like a fourth and short, and you kind of really need it, and he's chosen to kick the field goal every time. Yeah, well, they, I mean, going off that conservative thing, I mean, people get on car all the time for being conservative, but at the same time, you know, Gruden's calling the plays and Gruden's the one, you know, that, that, because Gruden calls the plays, right? Yeah. So Gruden's the one talking to Derek Carr, you know, yeah, in, in the year, right? Absolutely. So if, you know, if, if you're, if you're Derek Carr and you're Darn Gruden and you guys have a, have a, both have a, a conservative kind of label on you, you know, it's on the both of them. So, but again, I don't think Carr's played bad this year. I really don't. I don't no, think the offensive line. definitely wasn't the issue now. Yeah, and how many? Because holy smokes, that guy Devin White had three sacks. Oh yeah, he was kicking ass. Wow, all I remember him. Did I remember? I think it was later in the game, obviously, but he just wallop Carter on that fourth down. Yeah, he was kicking ass. Yeah, he was, he just he was wrecking Carter. shot. Yeah, he can run, man. And that, that's that's the thing. I I think Tampa Bay is a lot better than people give him give him. I think people are obviously going to be a little hesitant because it is Brady's first year there. But man. What they just did to, to the Packers at home and then, you know, the travel across the country and do that to the Raiders at home, man, that, that's impressive. They're, they're really hitting their stride. And, and, you know, who's getting going? Gronk had five for 62 again and a touchdown. Oh, yeah, you're right. So yeah. Gronk, yeah, Gronk's getting going now. And then Scotty Miller had 109. I like Tampa Bay. I, I do. I, I think, I mean, again, it's Tom Brady, you know. Is it early to say that he's winning the he's winning the divorce right now? I mean, the – Pat just got <laughs> we can get it we can get into that too man I, what a what an opposite what an opposite day for uh, i guess you can call them can you still call them can you still call them the bay area teams or do you just call the the, the Niners no, the bay area i don't team? think so you can't call the raiders uh, a bay area team no i don't i don't think so do they do they talk about them on uh the game 95 7 uh i don't know that's a good question i think i think they pop in every once in a while and talk about them but you know what I mean? Like, can you say like it was an opposite day for the Bay Area teams? I guess you can't anymore, right? Nah. As we transition to the beat, as we transition to the beatdown that 
that the that the Niners. But one last thing on the Raiders. I mean, it, it's tough again. I think Tampa Bay is good. I think the Raiders obviously have quality wins. They, they I mean they beat Carolina. Yeah. They beat um. Saints. They beat the Saints. Yeah, they beat the Saints, beat and then the they Chiefs. beat uh, they beat the Chiefs. So they have three quality wins. Sure. And who were their losses to? They obviously lost they to lost the, the Bills. Bills. It was a good team. Yeah, they've had a tough stretch, man. They lost the Why does it always seem like they start a... with like the worst? Why does it always seem like the Raiders start with like the eight toughest games? You know what no, I mean? They had, they had a pretty Doesn't tough. Doesn't like that? Yeah, they had a pretty tough. Yeah, last but year who, too. Who's their? Who the other lost to? They've lost to the Bucks. They've lost to the Bills. They lost to the Pats. Pats, that's right. Yeah, that's that's a tough stretch. I mean, you got to look at that. That that's a tough stretch. So last um, last thing on the race, I I think, I think if if you're the Raiders, I think you just kind of gotta. It's it's hard to say. You kind of gotta open it up a little bit more because I think Carr's putting up numbers. I mean, what uh, was he? Twenty four for six. Two eighty four, two sure touchdowns. Yeah. And then what's his name still? Well, and then they got to get rugs going because because Waller uh, Aguilar had a couple long ones. He had a forty four no, yarder. Aguilar so he's good. If they can open up rugs a little bit. Because that, I mean, you can't you can't call you know good and conservative if you don't got any you know weapons to go with. But so we'll see. Yeah, I think they just got to open up just a little bit more. I don't like Josh Jacobs ten carries for seventeen yards. Well, no, then you no. go back to the offensive line. Yeah, the so, offensive line. Yeah, shaky. you go back to the offensive line thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of last thing on them. I don't think they're in too bad of a spot. Obviously, you know, I think I think you tweeted something about getting uh, uh, Paul Gunther out of there. I mean, how long's he been there? Uh, as long as Gruden, Gruden He's been there all time with Gruden, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know they man, have that, a, tough, man. their defensive line coach, Rod Marinelli. I'm just saying. Rod Marinelli, I like Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli is a tough motherfucker. You want to talk uh, about somebody that eats steak and eggs every morning for breakfast? That, that's Rod Marinelli. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Uh, last, 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 last thing on the radio. I, I will say next week when they play the Browns, I think that's gonna be a really really big game for playoff implications. I'm just looking ahead. What's the line on that right now? Is it three? I think it's – yeah, I think the Raiders are and it's getting – Cleveland? Oh, I think the – actually, it's uh, – the Raiders are getting two and a half, so the, the Browns are laying two and a half last time I checked. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's the Browns minus two and a half, yeah. three, right? Yeah. I think – that'll probably be three by Sunday. Well, yeah. I don't know what the OBJ thing. Who knows? Yeah, I like the Raiders in that. I do. I th- I, but, again, I think they got to get back – to run in the football. Hopefully they get their lineman back. Hopefully yeah. they get Abrams back. I mean, you got to look at that. They pay a lot of money to that offensive line. And then Abrams is probably their best defensive player. Right. right. I mean, I don't, I don't see who else would be. So I think they get those guys. I mean, that's that's a big loss. They pay a lot of money to that offensive line. You know, Josh Jacobs needs a lot more carries than 10 for 17. And then, like you said, if, if Abrams is Abrams, the guy that wears the green, who, who's their middle backer? No, it's uh, I think it's a uh, 44 Kwiatkowski, the guy from the bears. Oh, that's right, Quintana. But anyways, yeah, they, they got to get a lot tougher than than forty five. You can't give up twenty one points at home sure. in the fourth quarter. Again, I, I know I know Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, is getting rolling really. But but again, you got to be able to when when Tom Brady's going downhill like that, you got to be able to slow it down and, and run the ball. And I don't think they were able to do that. I don't think they wanted to get in a shootout with uh, with the Bucks. No, not a chance. But hey, again, uh, they got a winnable game in Cleveland next week, and then they yeah. get back to four five hundred, and there you go. Hey, but hear me out. You think this is gonna be a big game considering the playoff, the three, the three wild card? What are the what are the wild cards gonna be? It's gonna come from the south, right? And the north. Steelers, Ravens, Titans, Colts. Yeah, I think they were looking at it today. Yeah, I think you gotta look at obviously two teams from the north, you know, and then Cleveland will be fighting for that. Cleveland's one of those teams that are fighting for the what is it, six, seven, eight now? No. It's five, six, seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, five, six, seven, because you do the four, yeah. So Cleveland's one of those teams that'll be fighting for five, six, seven. 
if you look at if you look at the West, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Her, Herbert's looking pretty good. I don't know if the, I don't know how looking at their I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but maybe they can get it going a little bit. And then you know, obviously, you got the Raiders right there with three and three. And then in the South, yeah, probably just the Colts. So it's going to come down to teams like that. I mean, again, an extra team's going to sneak in. I don't see why it can't be the Raiders. I don't see why it can't be, like I just mentioned, the Chargers with Herbert. I don't see why it can't be the yeah. Indy. So because the, the AFC, if you're looking at, it, they they got a pretty good start at the top with with obviously Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Baltimore. I don't know if I throw Buffalo up in there, but Buffalo's obviously, I think, going to win the. You know who else is three and three? It's two a time in Miami. Yeah, you're right. First start next week. They are also three and three. Yeah, poor Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. How how do we get Ryan? As I guess we're transitioning to next week already. How do we get Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Cowboys? No, that'd be. <laughs> hey, I have on my dog. That's actually we're gonna are we gonna transition into the Cowboys? Yeah, I we guess we'll, we'll go right into that yeah. as we wrap up uh, last week. Yeah, let's uh. Yeah, let's move on to the Cowboys. I have a couple stats for you. So the Cowboys obviously <laughs> having the season Let me pull from up hell. that box score. No, I was just going to say, well, just one little thing I want to say was that I'm going to be honest. I thought when Dak went down, it was going to be the lowest point of their season. And then when they lost to the Cardinals on Monday night, I thought that was going to be the lowest point of their season. But now that they lost to the Washington <laughs> football team, 25 to 3, I think this is the lowest point of the season. Oh, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't even I, I mention the I didn't even mention the quotes that came out from the locker room last week too. That was that wasn't. Yeah, I that thought was that was pretty. so. I thought that was so ridiculous, man. They're talking about how Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff don't know what they're doing. This yeah. and that. It's like, oh, what? At what point, if you're Mike McCarthy, do you not just go in the door, kick that door open, and go, "Who's the son of a bitch that said <laughs> this? Who who wants to be Mister Anonymous? Because you know, you know, nobody's gonna step up and say nothing." And yeah. I would like if I was Mike McCarthy again. That the coach in me is like, who the who the fuck is saying any of this stuff? Like, are you guys kidding me? I sure. mean, because what was it coming off? They, they who was again? They 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 got embarrassed at home by by Arizona. Who I like Arizona. We can get to them in a minute. I, I like Arizona, but again, this Washington game, man. After after what what the players said tough. during the week and and everything that went on at home, it's like man, there 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 has been no. It just looks like there's no fight in it, and it's hard because that's that's one thing that that you could say about the Cowboys in the past couple of years with Jason Garrett was they really had no fight and they had no spunk, and you know Garrett was the guy clapping, you know, as they're losing, you know, and all smiles and stuff. And I just thought Mike McCarthy was going to come in there and be that no nonsense guy that goes in there and tries to kick some ass, and they just it hasn't been like that. It really hasn't. It's it's been really it's been tough to watch. Oh, for Man, sure. And they're two and five. They're zero and three away from home. Sheesh, man. But again, you look at the standings. What 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 were the stats you're gonna give me? Yeah, I got stats. So I got you uh last in points per this is the defense. Last in points per game, 34.7. Last in rushing yards. They were oh, wait, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, back up. They were giving up 34.7 points a game. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Every article I okay. read is like it's just historical the amount of points they're giving up. But uh rushing yeah. yards a game, they're giving up 178. They have three takeaways, which is last, and then the third down defense percentage. I don't have the percentage, but it's they're twenty seventh in that. The thing about the defense is they're paying some guys big money. Well, they're on that talented, defense. right? They're think, supposed to be. I think yeah. I think Jalen Smith just got paid. I know Demarcus Lawrence got paid. I'm not t- quite sure about the secondary. I know they gave up. They they. I know they lost um, Byron, Byron Jones. Jones obviously in free agency, but I, they they they're paying Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin, like, man, that that is tough, man. That is tough. They just look. They just look. If you ask me, they just look like their defense is out there and they're not even trying. I mean, they they couldn't tackle last night and Monday night against the Cardinals. They couldn't tackle. Yeah, 
Jalen Smith couldn't make a tackle. I don't. I didn't really see Lawrence or Everson Griffin get off the ball at all from the D line. And man, that that is tough. Yeah, that defense is bad. And then you know, <laughs> you transition and with Dak, obviously they were putting up points, but now that he's out, that offense is just putrid. I mean, look at Andy Dalton nine for nineteen, seventy five yards. Did you? You obviously saw the hit, right? Yeah. On, on Dalton, that yeah. was that was some. That was about as dirty as it gets. <laughs> That was about as dirty as it gets, and that guy Bostic, that Washington linebacker, popped up like he didn't know what the hell happened. But it's like, what do you mean? What the, you just tried to decapitate him? Well, that, I, yeah, I, I thought that. Dalton, I thought Dalton was out. It, it, it was bad. No, for sure. It was funny because the red zone had just cut to that too. I was watching the red zone, and I saw that one. I mean, as live as, live as the red zone is, and man, it sounded bad. It looked bad, and it, it was bad. No. Don't ask I mean, me if I know this. Don't ask me if I know this Danucci guy because I don't. <laughs> I really no, don't. I'll, don't ask if I know him. I'll, I'll give you his say, bio right now. No, I think you had it right when you were talking about how the defense has been terrible. It's kind of hard to kill the offense with there's so many guys missing on the line. Your quarterback's out. Your franchise quarterback out, and then they're like the Raiders, man. They put a lot of money in their offensive line. Yeah. Tyrone Smith is maybe one of the highest paid tackles. Zach Martin's one of the highest paid guards. Obviously, Frederick uh, retired, but Elio Collins just got a deal. Yeah. I mean, but it's like none of these guys are, are, are out there playing at all, man. The, 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 you know, it's injuries, injuries, injuries. It's just been killing them. I, I read you off the standings. <laughs> For the NFC East? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So the highest winning percentage is the Eagles at 2-4-1. and one. The Washington football team, 2-5. Two, two and five. The Cowboys, 2-5. and five. And then the Giants, 1-6. and six. One of these guys, one of these teams are hosting a playoff so the, game. So the Giants are not out of it. I'd love to get odds on Washington to win it. If Washington's sure. like plus 400 maybe, plus 350. I think they that, are plus 400. I was checking the app earlier. They are. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That Because, that, I mean, I mean, again, you don't, I don't know how much credit you give Washington, but they look good. No, they Washington look Washington looked tough. Yeah, they're, they're they like a legitimate they, football they team. They're, they're like they're competent. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you knew that's what Ron Rivera was going to do. Sure. I mean, shit, Washington's been a joke for years. I mean, back yeah. to when you know the RG three thing, they've been a joke for years, and you knew Ron Rivera was going to come in and oh. stabilize. You know, it's funny about everybody kind of capped on the Eagles for that tie. That you know how you remember that Cincinnati game? Uh, what was it, week three or four? Yeah, where they kind of played it. They played it safe, and they yeah. got for the tie. Yeah, <laughs> they end up seven, eight, and one, and the Cowboys are seven and nine. Eagles get that home playoff game. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that tie that tie right now puts them in first place because the Eagles because Washington's two wins are the Eagles and uh, and the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, I'm looking at this. The, as I'm looking at this, just one one last thing on the, on the NFC East as we as we move on. We shouldn't spend too much time. The Eagles are in first place, like you said, at two four and one, and their point differential is minus thirty three. Holy Washington's shit. in second place at two and five, and their point differential is minus thirty-two. Jacob and Isaiah, if you guys are listening, please cover your ears. The Cowboys are two and five, and their point differential is minus sixty-seven. For the people at home that don't know, that means they've lost about sixty-seven points in total. Man, that's tough. And the Giants at one and six. You got to be a really bad team if you're in last. If you're in last place, like the Cowboys have lost almost everybody on their offense besides Zeke. And their receivers and the Giants are still below them at one and six, yeah. and their point differential is minus fifty-two. I'm no mathematician, but that's over. That means they've lost all their games by what uh, over a hundred points at least. Jesus Christ, at least. Well, six, yeah, Jesus man, that, that's a tough. 
That is tough to Sunday swallow. Night, but again, Sunday like night said, football? one of them's going to the playoffs. Sunday night football. Okay, but before we do that, before we do that, well, let's transition. Yeah, that's that's the game, right? Yeah, I was going to say that. What? No, I was just going to say Go that. I, ho- I was hoping he gets flexed out for the, no, the Ravens yeah. Steelers game, but yeah, they were saying uh, there's a couple games we tra- we could trans- go into the schedule for next week. Yeah, let me because uh, there's some good check ones. It out. There's some good ones. So Thursday night football this week is going to be Atlanta at Carolina, uh, oh New England God. Buffalo. Let me see. Where's Tua's first start? Tua's first starts at 10 a.m. They're hosting it's the, the Rams, Rams, right? Yeah, hosting the Rams. Ooh, okay. They're a sneaky three and three. I'm telling you. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, the well, there's a Kansas City Jets game. That's, that's Jesus. What's the line at 20? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> that's yeah. That, that's uh, that's a tough one. New Orleans, Chicago. That, that that'll be interesting. I like that game. Yeah, that's gonna be like that. again, again. Looking at it, I haven't been impressed with the Saints, and I've been again. Obviously, the Bears put a tough one tonight. That should be a good game. That's in that's in New Orleans. No, it's uh, Bears are hosting. It's, the Bears are hosting. Yeah, I like the Bears. But go ahead, go on. And then we have oh, then the one twenty five. You have the Niners Seattle game. Man, that's a really good game that's too. A good this is a good game. game. So, so we got we obviously got Ravens Steelers. We got two was first start with the Jets. I'm sorry, with the Dolphins against uh, the Rams. Yeah. You have Bears Saints. You have Raiders we, Browns. You have yeah Raiders Browns. That's a good one too. Who does who 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 does Tampa? Oh, Tampa Bay is on Monday night. That's right. Who's yeah. who's Arizona got next week? Arizona on a bye. On a bye. So there's some good games, man. I like that. I think obviously the best one, like you said, is Ravens Steelers. We'd love to get that flexed, but that's going to be a good game, man. I, I, I'm as a, as a Ravens fan, man. I Pittsburgh. I don't want to. Again, it's kind of like the Habib thing. I don't want to say they're any good, but they're six and zero for a reason. I think they're the only the last undefeated team, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The last undefeated team. Yeah, I mean, it pulls out of their ass, but you know, again, with. It's always it's always seems like Mike Tomlin's always celebrating on the sideline and like he's winning this dramatic game and every, every week it seems like it every week that dude's dressed in all black he's got the big he's got the big like uh, jacket coat on like the it's shades. like hundred like it's it's hundred degrees yeah he's got the shades he's got the just all black mask you can't even you can't even uh, you can't even really see with the glasses on it's like man but yeah you got to give him credit six and zero they're coming to Baltimore though right yeah you yeah, see they're the, one of the teams like Kansas yeah. City go ahead. No, I was going to say, have you seen the line? Yeah, it's like Ravens minus four, right? It, it opened five and a half, and last time I checked, it was three and a half, but I think it might be a four now. But five and a half, that's a lot, no? It's going to keep – yeah, five and a half's a lot. I didn't like that. If, if it went down to three – well, that, that Ravens Steelers game's always – you never know. You never know. What's the over-under? Do you have that right there? Uh, I have it right here. The over-under is 46 and a half. I think the most interesting matchup, everybody's probably going to look at what Lamar does, but I think the most interesting matchup is that Pittsburgh offense has been good, and they, they got they got weapons everywhere with Smith-Schuster and that guy Claypool. Deontay. I think Deontay got, got Ebron. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, with the Ravens, uh, hey, and Gawkway is playing finally. So the Ravens have, the Ravens just the Ravens are just as star-studded on defense as they are on offense. I, I, I like their defense a lot more than their offense, honestly. You know. When did they trade for Indoc? They're coming off a buy, right? They're coming off a buy. When did they yeah, trade for Indoc? They're off a buy. They traded for him on uh, last Monday, I think Tuesday. Oh, okay. There you go. So thank God, thank God for Minnesota. The Ravens right. came in and swooped on that one. 
he's actually from Maryland. So I'm hoping. I'm, and then you have the whole Calais Campbell thing. Yeah. So they, they, they were together in Jacksonville. Yeah, exactly. So I'm happy. He, he put up some good stats in, uh, in obviously in Jacksonville. And then I don't know how good he was this year in Minnesota, but how many people have been good in Minnesota? Yeah. So, like I said, like I was saying about about uh, the Mart, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. Those have been three teams that have really got up in the Ravens' receivers' faces, and Lamar hasn't really had a lot of success thrown against them. I think it was low scoring the, the two games last year. Uh, actually, I don't know if Lamar played. I think they played Week 17. I don't know if Lamar played. I have to start have to check that. But but I know earlier in the week, earlier in the year, I should say last year, it was uh, it was a low scoring game. So we'll, we'll see. Again, Pittsburgh, like the Ravens, they're talented on defense too. But Pittsburgh did lose two weeks ago. They lost Devin Bush, their signal yeah. caller. Mm-hmm. So we'll see about that. You know, and then the Ravens, it's like they're beating up on bad teams. You know, they beat up on the uh, they beat up on the on Washington. They beat up on Cleveland. They beat up on uh, Cincinnati. But in the big game, you know, against uh, Kansas City, they kind of took a shit. So this is obviously a big game. You know, what? I was just going through that. You know, saying? I was just going through the. You know, I was just going through the NFC East uh, yeah. point differentials. Sure. The Ravens' point differential is plus seventy-five, and Pittsburgh's is plus sixty-five. Really? So, yep. So on that end, it's like, man, think about that. Yeah, it should be a good game. The, 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 obviously, these two games are going to decide the division. You would think, right? Yeah. So, and a year like this, man, that's big, especially the number one seed. No, for because, sure. You know, the, the, the only being. Yeah, it's yeah, the only, the only buy. The only so, buy. Yeah, it's been interesting. I think I, th- I mean they've opened it up a little bit more this year, but it's been the, pretty much the same. You know, downhill running, play action with Lamar, Lamar making plays with his legs. Well, and then and then they haven't really added really added anybody. It's been pretty much the same team from last year on offense. Yeah, but uh, it's been pretty much the same thing. Like I said, they beat up on the bad teams, and I want to see them beat a good team. You know, I haven't seen them beat a good team since you know, last year. Obviously, they took that crap against Tennessee last year, and then same situation against Kansas City this year. So I want to see him beat a good team. So I want to see Lamar perform in, in a big stage like like it is. You know, this is really his – because Pittsburgh hasn't been really too good. Pittsburgh hasn't been at the top like they have been, uh, like they are this year, the last couple of years. So this is his biggest game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, these are the games my boy uh, Joey Flacco used to thrive in. <laughs> So uh, we'll see. I want to. I want to see Lamar really duel with Big Ben and go at him. I really do. No, but I, again, I you know, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. It's going to be drag out, knock down. Whoever, uh, whoever can control the ball, whoever doesn't turn the ball over, that that's always how these games go. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm excited. 